Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Interpretation, please. One, two, one, two, three, four. Hello and welcome to episode six of the One British Man English podcast with me, Lee Passmore. I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. Today I'll be speaking to a fine young British man by the name of Sam Hearn. Sam also moved to Asturias in the north of Spain recently and also teaches English online, so no prizes for guessing how we met. Sam and I decided to have a little chat about one of the more famous endurance events, the Ironman Triathlon. I can honestly say that the Ironman is not something I've ever considered doing, yet I am very interested in the level of commitment and the motivation needed to take part in such an event. Even at the tender age of 33, I sometimes struggle to even get out of bed in the morning, so I have to take my hat off to people like Sam who push themselves to the limit. For those of you who are new here, here's how it works. You can listen to the whole conversation and follow along as best as you can, but don't worry if you don't understand everything, because the whole idea is to give you a taste of some true British conversation with accents and idioms and casual everyday language. Then we'll jump over to part two and we'll pick out some useful expressions, some idioms, vocabulary, even some grammar, and we'll go through all these things with you so that you can start using it yourself immediately in your everyday life. So grab a cup of tea and let's go and meet Sam. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. We only met very briefly on the adventures to Spain. What are you doing at the moment? Where are you exactly? Uh, Living in the north of Spain, in Asturias, teaching English, which I didn't really ever expect to be doing, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, we're just trying to find our way living in this new country. Where are you from originally, Sam? The south of England, so about 30 miles south of London. Not too far from the coast, uh, not too far from London, so... Quite a good location to grow up, really. How would you describe your accent? Um, neutral. I can hear an accent. You can, yeah. Yeah, I can't pinpoint it exactly. Right, so it's not really London, is it? I, I don't think. No, there's a London twang in there somewhere. What area are you from exactly? Uh, Sussex. From Sussex? Yeah, West Sussex precisely, yeah. Today we're going to talk about your experience competing in and training for the Ironman competition. Mm. Um, I know very little about this, actually, apart from some quick research I did last night. Maybe we can start. You could tell us a little bit about this Ironman contest. Contest or competition? What's it known as? Um, Probably just either a race or a triathlon. The Ironman itself originated in Hawaii. Uh, A running club, a swimming club and a cycling club and within these clubs, they were arguing who was the fittest athlete, the swimmer, the cyclist or the, or the runner. And then somebody decided to put these three main events on the island of Hawaii together. A 2.4 mile swim, um, 112 mile bike, and then a marathon at the end, 26 mile run. Um, and they combined that to form the Ironman. And some say it's, it's now uh, the hardest single day event. So everything is done in one day. So for someone who is not competing, but just taking part, is this a full day or like a 12-hour event or how long does it take? Yeah, so the, the professionals will do will do like seven, eight, nine hours and then like your sort of amateurs will do it from nine to ten and then you get your, your like weekend warriors and just 
first timers like myself and and that that would be from like anywhere from 11 to 18 hours depending on the person and depending on the Ironman course itself yeah let's let's go into like why you chose to take part in this event because in theory it sounds like great fun but I'm not sure I would have that motivation to actually uh, go through with this kind of grueling training schedule as well so how did you first become interested in it and what was your kind of motivation behind it it started about 10 years ago and while I was at university I was in this thing called um, the officer training corps and it's like a cadet force like a military cadet force one of the staff members he was into triathlon and he said to everyone at the unit if anyone's interested in giving it a go I'm going to take a busload of people down to this one uh, triathlon is a sprint triathlon so the, the shortest one they do and I just thought yeah I'll give it a go why not a sprint sprint triathlon is a 750 meter swim I think and then a 20k bike and a 5k run so that's the shortest one they do without going into the kids events so I did I did one of those or two of those that summer and then one the following summer and then I went about five years without doing anything. And then when I came back to the UK, that's when I picked it up again, really. And I did a half Ironman and then the following year I did a full Ironman. So, yeah, I guess this really helped, right? Doing these like small events first and getting a taste for it and then gradually increasing. Yeah, you kind of need to know whether you like it or not before you go diving straight in at the deep end because... It's not just the day itself that is really hard and taxing, but it's, it's the, you know, six or seven or eight months of training beforehand. Before you decided to take part in even the first event that you did, were mm. you already a kind of sporty guy? Did you have a focus on exercise and healthy lifestyle or was it a bit of a shock to the system when you first did it? Fitness has been part of my life forever. After playing rugby, I sort of just started going to the gym and then... CrossFit came on the scene and I sort of dabbled in that. So it was never really fitness as such, as more just kind of what I enjoy doing. I never researched into different training techniques. I just tried to go as hard and as fast as I could, which which isn't the way to do it. Um, <laughs> but it got it got me to the finish line, so I guess it worked out right. Tell me a bit more about the training in a bit more detail. So, like, what did you start training with, and how did it? progress as you got closer to the event basically just started off with running about 5k um swimming for about 500 meters i mean it took me ages to get the hang of swimming i was already i'd already been in cycling for quite a while i was a bit more comfortable on the bike i could go out and cycle three four hours already i mean in the peak of it i was running a half marathon before work where was the event exactly i believe it was in kent which is the next uh, county over um and this one was very local so I could hop on my bike and do the route that I had to do in the race. So I knew exactly what, what corner I could take a little bit faster and, you know, what, what hill was coming up or whatever. So I could pace myself pretty well on the bike. The night before the race, we stayed with my parents because they live even closer. Yeah, so it was in July. It was really hot and we didn't sleep very well. Everyone had their windows open. It was that time of year. And the next door neighbor's kid was screaming till about half 12 and we had to be up we had to be up at about half four i think or maybe even earlier than that i think we had to be there at five so maybe we were up a little bit earlier the race started at six yeah i was i was going into it with only like sort of three and a half hours sleep i think which wasn't ideal and i remember we had about 10 minutes before the start and it was just me and my girlfriend she was seven months pregnant at the time and it was raining 
and we were just sat on these deck chairs in this sort of gazebo type thing and i just sort of rested my chin on my chest and was just like trying to get a few like a minute of extra sleep <laughs> and, I, and i remember and we were both so tired i remember asking her if i just decided to jack this in right now and um and go home what would you say? And she said, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she didn't exactly uh, try and persuade you otherwise. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, she was extremely supportive through the whole thing because it is it is quite a uh, a selfish act, really, because it does require a lot of time. But she was really, really supportive. But I mean, in that moment, I think we were both a little bit broken. It was miserable and we were both very tired. The one thing I pick out of that is that there were deck chairs in the pouring rain. This is very classic British thing. Like, whatever the yeah. weather, get your deck chairs out and a gazebo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know it. The whole thing was set in a castle, and it's called, like, the Castle Triathlon Series, and they do them around the UK and some in France. And this was at Hever Castle, and they have a, uh, you know, a big lake on their grounds. Thankfully for me, because I'd done a lot of training in a reservoir, a big, deep reservoir, like a very, very cold reservoir. And this small, shallow lake was very, very warm. Kind of put my mind at ease for some reason. It was one one less thing I had to battle. I didn't have to worry about the cold. But I got out of the swim having swam for an hour and 13. That immediately gave me a massive confidence boost. And then I headed to the bike and the bike was really familiar because I'd cycled it already. I was just telling myself to keep pushing. Yeah, my legs were tiring. I was definitely burning. But you just think like all this, you know, I'd set myself the goal of doing 12 hours and I trained for about seven and a half months. Having that in the back of your mind, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and there are a few swear words being thrown around. I knew it was going to be close and if anyone's been out for a, a long bike ride before, you know, if you need to go to the toilet, it's, it's a bit of a process, let's say. So you've got to stop your bike, get off, find somewhere to put your bike to save save your dignity you might want to go up a little path or something or find a tree to go behind do your business and then hop back on the bike and then get back up to speed and that can take three four five minutes or whatever and i knew i didn't have time to waste couldn't do that and with triathlons when you're on a bike that's your time to hydrate and that's your time to fuel so you eat everything on the bike and you drink everything on the bike which means you've got to go um so i think there was about four maybe five times when I could have stopped and wasted, you know, potentially like 15 minutes and that would have gotten me over the line after the 12 hours. So I just, uh, I, I held it in and waited until there was no one right behind me and then just let loose, let it go down my shorts. <laughs> you got to wait until you're going downhill because it's hard to do it when you're going uphill. It's hard to do it when you're putting a lot of effort in to your cycling <laughs> yeah. and you have a little look around. Um, and it's quite hard, it's quite hard to do, but yeah, you do it and then you watch it piddle out of your shoe at the bottom hoping that no one's noticing and then you carry on i knew like oh it's worth it hopefully it'll be worth it because if i came in 12 hours in one second i would have said well i pissed myself for nothing uh, yeah <laughs> so you cross this finish line how did you feel did you collapse in a heat or were you feeling pretty good at the end of it yeah completely completely collapsed they had a they had a table full of like fresh fruit and watermelons and stuff and some guy comes and puts a medal on you i should have bought some photos of me at the finish line because i do look an absolute wreck and my girlfriend came over heavily pregnant and she was trying to you know say well done to me and then this other woman was kind of interfering and wanted to talk about the pregnancy and i was like come on this is my moment away. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, what did you take out of this i mean apart from the initial achievement yeah i think during the process i 
sort of realized that I've, I'd never given so much attention and focus to anything ever before really in my life the dedication that you that you need and that I was having to demonstrate sort of spilled over into, into my work and into my family life as well um and I feel like it just kind of made me more focused more attentive and I just kind of felt on point all the time getting up early and, and doing your training you've, you've basically done what you set out to do that day already so you already have this feeling of accomplishment and it's you know not even like half seven in the morning yet mm, exactly yeah. so then you get then you go to work with that massive confidence boost and everything just kind of falls into place you realize the kind of mental fortitude that you've you have and you can just apply that yeah, whenever and, you want to and there are many times where i think we all have this potential that we could reach but we don't exert ourselves enough to actually know or understand what we can achieve so you manage to push yourself further than you had before I like to do more about the moment with an 18 month old. It's, it's hard. It's hard work. I've got a different kind of endurance going on at the moment. <laughs> got any tips or advice for anyone who's maybe thinking about competing or taking part in this event or any other similar kind of marathon or triathlon? Research like the best ways to train, but you don't have to kill yourself to like reap benefits of training. Don't let it affect your, you know, family life and work life too much. Don't take it too seriously if it's your first time and just make sure you've got the support of your of your family behind you because it does take up a lot of time thanks for sharing all those details i learned something today i'm sure many other people have thanks a lot for the time i really appreciate it thank you for having me it's been great cheers cheers firstly i want to thank sam for providing us with this english conversation and for taking some time out of his busy schedule Sam is also an online English tutor. I'm going to put a link to Sam's tutor profile at the bottom of this podcast. If you are deciding to have English lessons online, it's very important that you choose someone who suits you personally. I'm a tutor, Sam's a tutor, but there are thousands of tutors out there. And it's really important that you find a connection with someone, get a good relationship and a good rapport. And this will really help you to develop quicker and learn to your potential. Anyway, less of the jibber-jabber. Let's go over to part two and learn some useful, relevant, everyday English. So I have to take my hat off to people like Sam who push themselves to the limit. To take your hat off to someone. If you take your hat off to someone, you are praising them or giving them credit for something that they've done. This comes with a physical gesture. So you may have seen someone take their hat off as a sign of respect for someone. Here's another example for you. That's a really hard job that you do. I take my hat off to you. I couldn't do it. Before you go, dive in straight in at the deep end. To dive in at the deep end. Sometimes we use to dive in at the deep end. Sometimes we jump in at the deep end. Sometimes we're even thrown in at the deep end by someone else. And what this means is to be involved in something without having the necessary skills or without being equipped to actually take part in this activity. It's quite common to hear this sentence in relation to starting a new job or taking on a new task at work. You could come home from work after your first day and say, yeah, I've been thrown in at the deep end, but I'll learn as I go along. If you haven't quite caught it, the deep end relates to a swimming pool. So if you get thrown into the deep end or you dive into the deep end of a swimming pool, you can't stand, which means you need to be quite good at what you're doing and able to survive in that case. And remember, it doesn't always have to be negative. 
if you dive in the deep end, sometimes it's a good idea to measure what kind of skill level you already have. And then CrossFit came on the scene and I sort of dabbled in that. Okay, two things to look at here. Firstly, we're going to discuss on the scene. What does it mean if something comes on the scene or it arrives on the scene? Think about the word scene as the situation. Scene means the situation. We can use this in many ways. Sometimes we use it to discuss trends and fashions that happen at a certain time period. Sometimes we use it to discuss people who have become involved in a certain situation. If we talk about fashions and trends, we talk about when they became popular. So I could say Pokemon came on the scene in 2003. That means that Pokemon became popular and arrived on the scene at this time. If we use this with people, I could say, me and John were getting on just fine until Steve arrived on the scene and our relationship started to break down. The second word in this clip was dabble, to dabble. Usually you dabble in something. If you dabble in something, you take part in it in a casual way. So for example, I dabble in politics. I'm not really involved in it. I don't care about it that much. But occasionally I learn something or I read something in relation to this topic. Oi Lee, do you like painting? Nah, not really, but I dabble now and then. You know, what, what hill was coming up or whatever, so I could pace myself pretty well on the bike. Sam said he could pace himself pretty well on the bike. To pace oneself. The word pace is another word for speed. So if I asked Sam, what kind of pace were you travelling at? It just means what kind of speed were you travelling at? If you talk about pacing yourself, it's about balancing your speed over a long distance. So if you're running a really long race and you go as fast as you can at the beginning, of course, you're going to be tired by the end of the race. So you need to pace yourself so that you can last the full distance. If I just decided to jack this in right now and... Um and go home. To jack something in. This is another way of saying to give up, to quit. In Sam's case, he was considering at one point to jack it in. He means to quit the race. It would be good to remember that we often use this with it. We don't say Sam was jacking in the race. It sounds a little bit strange. We've already talked about the race and we say, yeah, Sam was thinking about jacking it in. Are you still smoking? Nah, I jacked it in. Are you still playing for that football team? No, I jacked it in a couple of years ago. Do your business and then hop back on the bike and then get back up to speed. Here's another one related to speed. To get back up to speed. This is another way of saying to catch up. So if you have fallen behind in a particular activity or task, you can say, oh, I need to get back up to speed. In Sam's example... He literally needs to catch up in a race. But we can also use it if we are behind on some deadlines at work or if we've been off sick for a while and we need to catch up on some emails. We can say, oh, I need to get back up to speed before I go for my coffee break. Let loose. Let it go down my shorts. <laughs> to let loose. This is another way of saying let it go. 
So it means to relax completely and just let it go, to let loose. This can also be used in a more aggressive way. If there was a fight between two people and one person let loose on the other person, it means they don't hold back. They just let go of all of their emotions so they could be screaming and shouting at one another. I would have said, well, I pissed myself for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To piss oneself. I'll explain what this means in both physical terms and non-physical terms. In physical terms, if you piss yourself, it means you didn't get to the toilet in time and you've peed down your leg. If you're using this sentence in your life, you probably need to get to the doctor and sort out that bladder problem. In non-physical terms, to piss yourself means to laugh hysterically, uncontrollable laughter. So, My friend told a joke at the bar and I was absolutely pissing myself. Because, as we all know, when you have uncontrollable laughter, sometimes a little bit of wee comes out. I should have bought some photos of me at the finish line because I do look an absolute wreck. A wreck. If someone looks a wreck, they're not doing too well. Usually they're looking a bit tired and worn out. So if we think about this in terms of a shipwreck, a shipwreck is a boat that has been broken and usually sank to the bottom of the sea. If you have a car wreck, it's usually a car crash and your car is completely destroyed. If a person is a wreck, they're not doing too well. If I give you some examples in my life where I have looked like a wreck, one would be a hangover after a really long night of drinking alcohol. Second one would be after a sleepless night up with the children for half of the night. And the third one would be when I have had an emotional breakdown, something really sad, something really traumatic has happened. And afterwards, I'm a complete wreck. It means I'm exhausted, tired, worn out. So you already have this feeling of accomplishment and it's, you know, not even like half seven in the morning yet. I just wanted to take a moment just to clear up any confusion around how we express the time in English. When we say half seven, we do not mean 6.30. When we say half seven, we mean half past seven. What we do is we just remove the word past because we're a little bit lazy and we just say half seven. So if you wake up at half eight, you wake up at 8.30. If you go to bed at half ten, you go to bed at 10.30. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. As always, there will be a transcript of everything we've just learnt at the bottom of the podcast. For more information about me and my lessons, head over to speaktolead.com. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Monogramma to Asthenis. Also grabs for the sick, they want to touch you. Monogrammiert der Lügendetektor. Sie möchte zwei Monogramm Polygraph Kids, she wants to buy two.